Welcome to the Girl Powerful Podcast. We're two sisters on a mission to entertain and educate by learning from women who live a purpose-driven life. Be sure to subscribe and rate our podcast. On this episode of the Girl Powerful Podcast, we talk with Justina Sharp. She is a digital creator, Gen Z expert, and gives us a lesson on how possessing powerful alpha energy is a form of confidence and doesn't take away from anyone else. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Girl Powerful Podcast. We are so delighted to have Justina Sharp with us today. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, we're really pumped for this conversation because you're a digital creator, you're a Gen Z expert, and you're also an advocate for female alpha energy, which I love because Mm -hmm. Teddy and I are both alpha females. And a lot of times it's just like we get a bad reputation. It's like we're strong and we're powerful and we know it. And you should. You are right. And you should say so. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So I kind of want to learn a little bit about you and your background what made you want to be creative, to put yourself out there and express yourself the way that you do? Yeah, so I started, ye olden days, um, I started my first fashion blog, Event Piece of Wire, when I was 13 years old. So we actually just had our 10-year anniversary last November. Um, yeah, it was insane to think that I've been doing this that long because, you know, you take it day by day and you're like, oh, this is so fun. This is so fun. And I had always said that if the day it wasn't fun anymore was the day that I would quit. And that day just hasn't come yet. It's been 10 years. Um, but I started my fashion blog actually, because I had at the time, uh, knew nothing about fashion. I had no access to fashion in any way. My parents are not in even like the same hemisphere. Like they're just not in the space at all. Uh, I loved watching America's Next Top Model, which, you know, reflecting on it was problematic. But in the moment, I loved Tyra Banks. I loved America's Next Top Model. I loved the glamour of the fashion industry as it was portrayed on the show. And I came from Sacramento. I'm from Sacramento, California. It is literally a cow town. Um, And it just seemed like a different world to me. And it was something that I really wanted a part of. And the only way for me to get a part of it was to create my own part. And so that's what Event Piece of Wire was. That was what it was started for. Um, And I just really sat down one day and was like, I'm starting a fashion blog. And that was it. So I started writing there. I started taking photos there. I've left up all of my original posts so that I never forget where I came from. Um, But it was really just this total labor of love. And I had no idea what I was doing. Like I constantly emphasize that to people that there was no roadmap at the time. There were no influencers. We didn't have social media in the format that we have it in today. And so every single thing I did, I had to learn how to do myself. And for that reason, um, I think I was just very um out there with myself all the time like I was on Twitter on my flip phone like when you had to text into Twitter and talking to fashion editors and being like I want to tell you about this outfit I was wearing I want to you know I want your job like just bold teenager stuff but happening in this very new realm that was social media at the time and come from though like where was that just coming from your gut like just to be like ah I want a piece of that. I want out of this cow town. I love that you call it the capital of California a cow town. Yeah, no, I mean, here's the thing. We, 
all of us from Sacramento, we know what we're about. We know where we okay. came from. Um, but yeah, it really was that my parents uh, have always encouraged me to do whatever I want. I don't think that they knew this was going to be what I wanted to do. And actually one of my favorite stories about the blog and kind of like a full circle moment that came out of it in my career was that when I started it, when I was 13, my mom thought this was just the most ridiculous idea ever. Like she was just, why do you want to do that? You're going to just, this was back when we did not, I mean, we still don't want kids on the internet, but when we really didn't want kids on the internet and um, she had actually been like one of those early stage mommy bloggers when I was a kid and just stopped doing it basically. And then when I was like, I'm going to start this blog and it's going to be a fashion blog and I'm going to be famous. <laughs> she was like, okay, Justina, you're going to be done with this in two weeks. You're going to move on to your next thing. And like, to her credit, she let me do it anyway, but she definitely did not think it was going to be this thing that I stuck to. And so for those reasons, I had to stick to it and I had to make it work. And I don't think that she admitted that she was wrong until like two years ago. So we were like eight years into this. And I was doing like, like honey, I have something to say. I'm proud of you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, and it wasn't even that it was just, it was, it was, I was doing a major campaign with a very big brand and I heard her telling her friends about it. And that was when I was like, oh, now she knows it's real. <laughs> like I've been in Teen Vogue. I'd written for the wall street journal. I did all these things. And this was finally the moment that I got. And, um, I get to now tease her mercilessly about it <laughs> that's actually kind of similar to our mom like like we were doing something since 2014 and just recently was she like acknowledging it or like calling it what it actually is and yeah. like acknowledging like how far we have come with girl powerful because it has you know there is an evolution obviously you don't just start it and you're successful and yeah. anyone that's like overnight success cool but like good luck keeping it moving forward, you know? And I think there's a lot of like lessons in like the trials and tribulations of starting a brand. And I think it's important also, like when I reflect on it, there were a lot of times where I think I wanted to have that like dance moms-esque support from my family. Um, (laughs) But reflecting on it, I'm kind of glad I didn't. Not to say that people's parents shouldn't support them because they should. And my parents definitely support me. I think they just weren't necessarily 100% on board with what I was doing. Um, But it did force me in a way to really know the inner workings of my brand and to know what I was doing. And I needed to succeed. Like for me, I needed to be successful. I needed to make this work. And it was on me to do that. And so my parents definitely helped out along the way my dad did a lot of driving um my you know my mom helped me build the blog format like there was definitely moments along the way my brother named the blog Mm -hmm. um but yeah it was I had to learn how to do it myself and I think that that is integral to it continuing to function yeah definitely like an independence with it is very important especially just like keeping your voice a part of it, like growing up, like if anyone was too hands-on, it's like you lose a little bit of it. So I think it's cool. You had just what you needed from your family. Exactly. Going into like the word independence, like that leads me to alpha. Yeah. What is your definition of alpha energy from a female? Yeah. So I, um, I talk about this a lot on TikTok, (laughs) but I think that being an alpha is about being your most confident, comfortable, powerful self. It's not about putting other people down. Um, I never use references to like betas or omegas. Like that's very 
Reddit, um, misogynistic, unnecessary space for me. Um, it is about being your best self for yourself and encouraging that in every different way that you can. So whether that's in your outfits, whether that's in um, learning a new skill because that's something you're interested in, whether it's having conversations with a new friend because there's someone that can contribute something to your life and you wanna invest in that relationship with them. Uh, for me, it's like this all encompassing mindset. But again, like I, I, it is not about um, putting down other people in any way. It's really about focusing on yourself and being that best version of yourself. Yeah, I love that. It's like you are in control of your life, basically. And you're not going to stoop down to other people's level. You're just going to shine on your own. Yeah. But have you ever been told like, oh, I don't like you. You're too strong. Or has anyone, you know, like honestly been like, we've been told that before. Bossy. Like, you're too bossy. You're too bossy. Or like guys from college always say like, they make fun of basically what we do. So I was homeschooled from the fourth grade onwards until I graduated high school at 16. And I had a really difficult time making friends in that environment. Um, I was with a lot of kids who were unschooled. So that's not a traditional homeschooling. It's, it's more like they're learning from their environment. They're learning from the situations around them. Uh, but I was very much homeschooled because my mom very much wanted me to have a formal education. And I think a lot of people thought that I thought I was better than them because of that. And unfortunately, that is a narrative that is perpetrated in alternative schooling environments. And that was the first time, um, like I was at, I think like a party, like I use the term party very loosely. We were a bunch of homeschooled teenagers. Like I think we gathering. Were, we were in someone's garage. I think we literally had a Nerf war. Like it was like very, party is a very loose term. Um, <laughs> and I heard people talking about me. So I was on the other side of the room talking to my one friend. And then all of a sudden I hear Justina, you know, and I am a world-class eavesdropper. It's one of my skills that I'm most proud of. And I heard this girl telling her friend that I was a snob and I was stuck up just because she speaks two languages. And I was like, I mean, I was in Spanish classes, so that was technically true. Um, but it was the first time that I had been called out, I felt like, for something that was, to me, just me bettering myself. It was a skill I wanted to learn. It was something I wanted to do. And it really stuck with me as I became an adult, because I think that we do this very often um, as human beings, just in general. We look at people who are trying to better themselves, and we look at people who are trying to improve themselves for themselves. Mm -hmm. And we take their sort of like solo journey and take offense to it. And it's just this weird social conditioning that we, we teach people and we teach each other and we encourage in some situations, really unfortunately. Um, and then as I got older, it just kind of got worse because like I said, I was raised by two people who very much wanted me to do whatever it was that I wanted to do. And my parents are very much like, if you have an idea, if you have a thought, you should share that with people as long as it's the right time. You know, it's not, it's not always the right time. Um, but you should share that with people and you should be able to make your point articulately and you should be able to argue your stance um, and you should be able to listen. So that's like a really key part of that is that if you're going to be a voice, you also have to be able to be an audience for someone else's. And uh, as I got older, I had a advisor, we'll call her. I don't want to call her out of her name because someone will identify her very quickly. <laughs> and she was supposed to, in the position she was in, she was supposed to be supporting me through a position that I took on in my late teens. And this woman just 
did not like me from day one. And it was me and a lot of other teens. So we were in a group and she ostensibly by having the position she had should have liked teenagers, should have worked with teenagers, should have known how to communicate with teenagers. And she just did not, it was day one. It was day one. And I, um, we had a, an issue arise where I shared an opinion and it was not the opinion that she wanted us to have as a group. And immediately I was isolated from the group with her and another advisor and told that I was causing problems for everybody else in the group. So all of the other teenagers um, didn't like me was the implication because I was causing problems already and I was too opinionated and also overly influential verbatim. I could get those words tattooed. You're like, uh, that sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> I was, I'll take I was, that. I was like, I'll take it. Um, I didn't have a problem with it. Um, I did, but it was like, I got a behavioral warning in the first 24 hours because this woman had an issue with me. Um, I was 16 and she had an issue with it. And, uh, I, in that day, I remember just being devastated because I thought based on what this adult was telling me that everyone around me didn't like me. All of these other kids had no interest in getting to know me. They didn't agree with me. Um, and that this was just going to be a terrible experience. And it was not the truth. That was that woman's insecurities speaking. Right. Well, that's horrible because we know for a fact that whenever people outside of the home make you feel seen, valued, and heard, that's what's going to help you build self-esteem. Exactly. So if you had that experience and she shut you down and was like, no one here likes you, like shame on her. Yeah. And that's, that's the conditioning that past generations have had where, you know, girls are supposed to sit down and be quiet do their work, please other people. And that's not who you are because you're an individual. That happened to me, actually. When you said that, I was like, wow, that's <laughs> like unfortunate that that happened to you. But in college also, a similar situation, someone in the university like called me in her office and said, everyone in the cafeteria, no one likes you. Like, why would that even come out of an adult's mouth? Like, especially like as a mentor to, to younger people, I would never hurt someone like that. And that's not a throwaway comment. That's like deep rooted in me to be like, wait, that makes no sense. I just won student body president. Yeah. I was just in some pageant. I'm in the stupid sorority. Like that's not true. And I, and I would just shine a little too bright for that situation. And that's exactly what it is. It's that people I think are threatened um, and it's not even like, I, I always say, I try to come from a place of compassion, like reflecting right. on that woman. Um, she is the one person on this earth. I never, if I never see her again, it'll be too soon. Um, <laughs> but I, I've, I've met other people in similar situations. And unfortunately, I think oftentimes it's conditioning. It's that people are told that once they get a formal position of power, they are allowed to like exert that on other people and use it to say things like that. And they don't have to think about it. They don't have to think about the consequences of their actions because uh, I spent 18 months with that woman and I don't think she thinks about me on a daily basis, but I think about her um, mm. when I you know, am interacting with people on the internet, when I'm working with the teenagers that I work with now, um, the way that she treated me has deeply informed the way that I now work with teenagers because I never ever even inadvertently want to put another kid in the position that I was in um because I didn't know what to do in that moment like I don't it, you don't know what to do when you're a kid who has an opinion and who feels like you know you feel like you're right and you feel like you're you know being part of the group and you're being part of the team and you're just expressing yourself and then someone comes to you and says 
no, that's wrong. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't be that way. You're too loud. You're over opinionated. No one likes you. Um, it's, it's horrifying. And it, it cuts deep even now as like an adult, um, even though I've had many conversations since and not let go of it because I don't, I'm not personal. I was like, I haven't let go of it. Um, but I do understand how it impacted me now and can move forward from it. Yeah. So she was trying to like pretty much, you know, have everyone think inside her box and Gen Z has pretty much exploded all boxes (laughs) of like society, which is amazing. And there's definitely the time is here. What have you, what is one of your favorite things that you've seen Gen Zers accomplish together? Yeah. Um, actually one that I just, I think is just so impressive is like radical self-acceptance. Um, I think that there is in Gen Z a very serious push towards honest self-reflection, um, knowing who you are and knowing how that affects your life experience in a myriad ways. So it's not just about being like, oh, um, I live here and I have this amount of money and I have this job, um, but really understanding how your socioeconomic privilege plays into the way that you've experienced your life, how the place that you live shapes the way that you think about things. And uh, knowing if you want to be one kind of person, it's okay to be that kind of person. It's okay to um, chase your best self. And I really think that that's something that uh, past generations are going to learn from Gen Z. And the reason Gen Z can do that is because past generations worked towards that freedom. I like that you acknowledge that because we were, before talking to you, I was like, well, millennials did pave a way of like tapping into their self-awareness because we didn't have that leadership either. Yeah. And I think that we did pave a way for Gen Zers, but you guys just, you know, like I mentioned, exploded into it and yeah. really dove head first into what, you know, being unique is all about. And it's right. so exciting to see it celebrated. Forbes had an article and I just wanted to list the top five um, traits of Gen Zers that they identified. It's inclusivity, um, digitally and socially, curiosity, and unlike their parents, Gen Zers have no interest in being boxed into one path or one role, which is huge. Self motivation, generosity, and perseverance. And I feel like all of those are so true because with the girls that we work with, a lot of them are like, I'm going to start my own business. I want my own skincare line. Like, I want to be a professional athlete. They have this drive to be great but they're very self-aware of like their strengths and their abilities and they can be proud of them. And they're not putting anyone else down to get there. And that's, I think that's the beauty of Gen Z is like the openness and also just like the drive. And I think that it's super inspiring. Like I feel like I relate down to you guys because I have like a couple avenues. I have Girl Powerful and it's like, you know, the foundation of how I live my life. But I'm in real estate school right now and I'm going to like explore that. And I'm like, I'll take pictures and model and do all that stuff too. So I think it's like really, everyone should take a piece of this and like grow into, you know, all the unique capabilities that you have because you aren't just one little thing and you aren't your nine to five day job, which there is some good security in that. And I don't blame you. That's what you're (laughs) into, but it's fun to explore. That's what I'm trying to say. And I think that that, um, and like the idea of inclusivity also is being like a trait that Gen Z has really identified. I think we really saw on display last summer Mm -hmm. um, because I think that Gen Z has had the opportunity 
um, because like I said, of the work of previous generations, I think I think everything builds on itself. So I don't think anything happens in isolation. I don't think like Gen Z got a hold of TikTok and suddenly became this like superior race of people. Right. <laughs> Are you sure they don't think that though? I think that they need <laughs> peers and mentors like you to make sure that it's like, yeah, <laughs> one of my skinny jeans, okay? <laughs> if I wear mom jeans like I'm wearing right now, I look like 25 pounds heavier. It's just the truth. I think like it's it's this idea though of like inclusivity as it's been um sort of redefined by Gen Z is like everyone can like it's just like just do whatever do whatever as long as it's not harming other people as long as you're not being hateful like I don't care and it's not even like a bad I don't care it's like not that I don't care about you as a person but like whoever you are however you are um and however you come to be in my life like that's totally fine and I'm okay with that and it's so interesting to me because I feel like that's like much older generations, like boomers, that's yeah. their like primary bone to pick with Gen Z is that like, we all have dyed hair and are queer. And I'm like, but what's wrong with that? Like just- yeah. Well, just it, holds, it holds people accountable. And finally yeah. we have the generation that's saying, hey, that's messed up. Yeah. That's not okay. And it's really shaking people, older people to their core, like, you know, because they're losing their sense of power. They have- you know, the power to live their life and be in control of what they want to be, but they aren't allowed to harm people along the way. And that's yeah. why Gen Z's, you know, standing up for everybody. Except people wearing skinny jeans. Except, Except us. <laughs> hey, your hair's parted on the side right now. It is. No, it has no part. It has like no part. I'm exempt from the middle part rule because I have too much hair. And I was- and what if, I mean, I don't do the zip up boots, but I ha- I was guilty. It just depends on what part of America you live in, like what yeah. you're up to. Like when I was teaching in the classroom, I shopped at Banana Republic and I dressed like that. But like as a 20 year old, like was I was aging, looking back at her picture. Yeah, I was like, like aging up to like a 55 year old. It was very strange. I think that like the Gen Z sort of like pillars of success can be really like they're very heavily reflected in like Gen Z wardrobe trends, like, because it really is all about putting together these really, either really maximalist, like over the top outfits with just like logos and colors and prints and all at once, or super minimalist. Like I could literally roll out of my bed onto the laundry pile on the floor and come out and be in a flawless outfit because it's just things that are just around. Um, Because we have other things to focus on, like fixing the entire planet. Go, go, go. I know. I did want to tap into your talent and your gift, and you dress Teddy and I to be more like Gen Z. Oh, yeah. What should we what should we look for? Ooh, um, okay, so here's the thing about the mom jeans. Mom jeans as a, has kind of been morphed into an umbrella term, I feel like, for any jeans that are not super tight fitting jeans. Um, so when you were saying they like can make you look heavier it's not the right style of jean for you. But there is a looser jean out there okay. for you. It <laughs> might not be mom jeans because mom jeans tend to taper more at the ankle. And so then they're wider at the thigh. Yeah. And this is like my, my wardrobe nerd is jumping out. But like, and then they have like a high waist, but it's usually like a medium high waist. So you might want to look for something that's like a super high rise straight leg instead. Up to the nipple jean, up to the nipple jean. <laughs> high up we're not going like levi's like super high rise those like rib cage jeans um i have a really long torso so even on me those just go to like the middle of my stomach um but abercrombie does have some excellent options i'll shout out to them because they've slowly taken over my jean pile 
really with all of their denim options yeah you guys are funny because it's like a lot of this stuff like we, I already threw all my Abercrombie away you know what I mean like I'm a 90s kid I already did that I'm not going back in Abercrombie when I was a kid when I was a kid I so badly wanted to be the kid that got to wear Abercrombie because I feel like everyone knew one of those kids like their parents bought them brand new Abercrombie and they walked around with it splashed across their chest like I wanted to be that kid and now I am that kid and I <laughs> I am so proud of myself um no but like I do like full disclosure I do work with Abercrombie on content occasionally and their jeans like it is very difficult um I would say impossible I don't think anyone's ever done it to buy my opinion um so the fact that I go around evangelizing for Abercrombie's denim now <laughs> they're good I jeans. dated an Abercrombie boy and he would bring home the big huge like 15 foot posters so in college my apartment was just like wall-to-wall hot men but I think it kind of messed my mind Justina like if anyone doesn't look like that like I if they don't have an eight pack I don't want to date them and I don't even have an eight pack so it's like where's this judgment coming from now I know it's from Abercrombie in 2004. (laughs) You were an art collector is what you were and (laughs) I it's so funny because that's like such a very specific like phase of um consumerism in the American psyche that like happened I tried to explain to one of the teenagers I worked with that like naked men used to stand outside of Abercrombie stores and I was like 14 like running by those man men and like into the darkness and cloud of like spray that wasn't smelling them (laughs) and experience like I was you had to be there and like one of these kids is looking at me like she's like isn't that like kind of sexist and like objectifying I'm like totally ruin everything (laughs) I swear I know I kind of like to look at hot guys I'll never not like that like I'm sorry (laughs) that's totally fair that's totally fair I um I I have my own hot guy that has to permanently let me look at him (laughs) congrats thank you how have you um maneuvered that like as an alpha female and being so strong in yourself how how has that like played into your relationships yeah that's actually it's really interesting because um I did not date in high school and it, a lot of people think it's because I was homeschooled it's not because I was homeschooled um I mean I'm sure like, that you're in- weird. <laughs> yeah, I was, I'm sure it played into it a little bit uh just because like homeschoolers but <laughs> um I just literally didn't have the time because I was working on my blog and really trying to like pursue full-time creatorship before that was a thing like it didn't exist so I didn't really know what I was doing or what I was chasing but I was I was getting there I was on the road and um I did that I was in the 4-H youth program and I spent a lot of my time uh working on projects going to events going to conferences and I just never like hit that moment of like, I am a teenager who dates now. And then when I went to college, I went to community college and literally, I think like two weeks before my first or my second semester, I took a big gap in between my first and second semester. Um, I got a Facebook message from this guy and I was like, I was already at that point had quite a few followers on the internet. So I get a lot of random Facebook requests. I just don't open ever. And we had one friend in common and it was a professor that I'd had like, you know, uh, six months before. And I was like, all right, I don't know who this is, but I'll like look at it. And I looked at his pictures and then I accepted his friend request and I just forgot about him. And then three days later, because I'm type A, I was like, he never said anything. Like, who is he? I don't know him. So I messaged him and I was like, hi, do we know each other? Because I was like, if I don't know this dude, I'm just going to delete him because I don't need him seeing my like 
photos my mom posted when I was 11. Right. Um, and he responded and was like, oh, I'm like the editor in chief of the school newspaper. And this professor said that you were a really good writer. I was like, understatement of the century. I'm an excellent writer. I wrote for MTV at the time. So I thought I was very cool. Wow. Um, he was like, he was like uh, and we need like a social editor. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Like, I, I was like, I am, I don't want to work at this college newspaper with these nerds um, using ancient technology. And he was like, well, like, what can I do to get you on the paper? And I was like, I don't want to come on Fridays. I want to leave an hour early so I can go to Italian class. Like, I was so unnecessarily extra about this. And he goes, okay, I'll make it work. I realized now he really needed an editor, like having now gone through that experience. But yeah, I showed up that first day and I saw this like tall, like lanky looking dude in the corner. And he's like, hi, I'm Jordan. <laughs> I have, there's not a day has gone by in my life since that day that I've not been stuck with this man. I swear. <laughs> and um, he, to his credit, a lot of, I think, the success of our, our partnership really is on the fact that he is not at all insecure about me being powerful and doesn't see it as a detractor um, from him or his like masculinity or anything like that. He's very secure in who he is. And so it's so interesting though, because like the two of us never have any kind of issues around that, but other people definitely do. And throughout our entire relationship, the thing that annoys me the most is that because I run my own business, because I am a creator, because I am loud and I talk a lot and I have a lot of opinions and I share them frequently, unprompted, um, people feel like that, like Jordan has to be emasculated. They feel like there has to be something wrong with him. Um, because I think we've set up this sort of like dichotomy of like, if you're a powerful woman, you have to have like a weak person by your side. I, it could be a man or a woman. Like there has to be one of you is a powerful one and like the outwardly like really um, strong one. And then one of you is just like being dragged along against <laughs> your will. Um, and it really irritates him, but it especially like it really frustrates me because it's like, just because I am the way that I am does not mean that he in any way isn't an equal part of our relationship. No, right. And it doesn't mean that he doesn't also get to express his opinions and that we don't have long conversations if we disagree on things. And like, that's to me, it's like, that's what equality should look like. It's not just like, oh, just seen as X, Y, Z. So Jordan has to be just like weak and just like going along with whatever she says, because that is sexism. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's so true. I feel like that's what I'm seeking is like an equal partner. I'm not wanting to control someone or dim their sign or call them a beta or whatever. Like, I'm not interested in that. And that's not what's going to work for me. It's not going to work for me. Maybe someone wants to be a psycho manipulator and just beat their <laughs> husband at night. Maybe they want that. Like, go for it. But, but just for having healthy relationships and we won't judge you. <laughs> yeah it's um it's very it's so interesting like it was something that I don't think I was prepared for when I met Jordan because I, up to that point any guys that I'd like spent any kind of like significant time with I think were people who were very similar to me um Jordan is completely different than me and I think that's why it works but they were very similar to me and it was always a lot of like conflict and I think that I thought that as a strong person I should be able to like put up with that con I, and I think I see that happening very often now and like with teenagers that like if you are the like strong ambitious like you're you're talkative you're really excitable like you feel like you should be in a relationship where there's this constant conflict because of that and that is not at all the case that's not what healthy relationships look like um it's it's about connecting with someone not constantly like fighting to be the loudest voice at the table 
right? And being able to communicate with one another when you are feeling a certain way or you want to work through an issue instead of just exiting or being combative, you know, really learning how to use your voice in a positive way to change something. But I want to go back. You said you started 10 years ago with your blog and this you had an entrepreneurial spirit. You were putting yourself out there and having the confidence to do something that not a lot of people were doing. So as you grew your business and you worked with brands and partnerships, how did you, was there a moment when you really defined your value and your worth to be like, no, I'm not going to wear that for free just because you sent me something or, you know, like when did you really say like, here's my price sheet? Yeah. Um, that was difficult. And I think it is both easier and more difficult now for younger creators. Um, I did a lot of free work. I have done a lot of free work for the last 10 years. And sometimes it was free work that I wanted to do because there are occasionally times where even now a brand will come to me or an organization will come to me or an individual will come to me and say that like, hey, I have this thing and I think you would love it. And I wanna share it with you. And if you love it, I'd love for you to share it with your audience. Um, And I kind of use that as a gut, uh, like a gut check. Like there are occasionally times where I just say yes to that because there, you know, any, any number of factors could, could come in. It could be something that I do really, really like. Um, it could be, you know, a message that I want to share. It could be something I need to learn about. That's happened, especially in the last year, um, as I work to continue educating myself. There have been organizations that have come to me that are like, hey, we, we'd just love for you to just think about and talk about this um, as something for you to sort of reflect on. And I love that. I really appreciate mm-hmm. it. Um, I think that around five years ago, was when I first started pushing for paid content. And I wish I would have done it earlier because I do think that I got vastly taken advantage of just because at the time the influencer industry, especially around young people did not exist. We really had uh, fashion bloggers and YouTubers and they were all older people because there, you know, there wasn't the access yet for like young, young people to be building these huge audiences. Um, so there was no blueprint. There still isn't a blueprint. There still isn't one like master rate card somewhere that tells you what you're worth um I wish there was it would make my life so much easier um so around like five years ago I started pushing for more paid work and it really was a um sort of try you know trial and error situation of going like okay I can charge this much for this work I can charge this much for this work oh someone I know is charging this much for this work and maybe I should step it up because I'm doing the same thing they're doing and I have more followers and have a better reach Um, and then sort of understanding the difference between my work's worth on its own. So what is an Instagram post worth? What is a TikTok worth? And then the value that I specifically bring to that content. So it's not just a TikTok post, you're getting a TikTok post from me. And I am sort of putting a monetary value on my relationship with you as a brand and my audience. And Mm -hmm. to me, my audience is very special because I have people following me who've been following me since I was 13 and they were 13. We've been together for 10 years now. And like that doesn't happen in cross-platform influencers, like not to do my own horn, but like cross-platform influencers that often, because if you see an audience like that, it's usually on one platform, it's on YouTube, it's on a blog. Um, And my followers have gone with me from blog to Instagram to now TikTok to Twitter, like anywhere I am, they are because we come as a package deal. Right. (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Thank we really appreciate it. This is delightful. Yeah, and then we'll take little clips and we'll email them to you to share. And then yeah. it'll, it'll probably be like three or four weeks, but we'll yeah. send you the air date. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm so excited. I can't wait to hear this. This was okay. <laughs> yeah. I love doing podcasts, but I especially like doing them with people I like. So yeah, <laughs> that's you. always good. That's always no offense, good. no offense to the former broadcast, but um, <laughs> it's true. One time, like a couple times, we'll get on and we're like, uh oh, yeah. This- this is not going as planned. Yeah, this is good. abort mission. <laughs> we should just be like, I think our, our Wi-Fi is not working today. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> or like we like enjoyed you and we're like dogs, washing machines, like phones, <laughs> moms. Anyways. Yeah, it's, it's always the moms. I'm genuinely surprised my mother has not called at this point. She has a knack for that. Yeah. yeah. I know they do. That's really funny. Well, thank you so much and have a good day. Bye. Bye. Okay, bye. Thanks to our guest. For more information on her, see the show notes. Please hit subscribe if you have not already. That way, a new episode is delivered directly to your feed every week.